0: Aloha from Maui, and welcome to this week's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. My name is Michael Benner, and happy to be here on this uh, last Sunday before Christmas, 2010. Christmas is coming up in six days. And uh, again, whatever your relationship to, uh, to Christianity may be, and I guess there's infinite positions we can take, whether you think of yourself as a Christian or not. You get a big secular holiday here, and it's a nice one, too, if you can get your head on straight and get your heart in the right place. There's a lot of magic at Christmas time, especially if you're fortunate enough to be around little kids, whether you have children of your own or you can manage to get near some kids. Their wide eyed enthusiasm is uh, infectious and and contagious, and makes Christmas a lot of fun. And then we have uh, solstice, of course, and uh, the New Year, other holidays like Kwanzaa. Uh, There's a uh, full eclipse of the moon for most of us in North America, including Hawaii and Alaska, that's coming up uh, tomorrow night, I believe. Tomorrow, again, speaking to those of you who are here live, if you're listening to the podcast, it's already been here and gone, but you might want to check that out if you didn't know about it. I think it's the first time in uh, several centuries, hundreds of years, that the full lunar eclipse has fallen on a solstice, the longest night or shortest day of the year, the point at which the sun begins its return north again. So that's of significance especially to the pagans in the house and the astrologers and astronomers and and just people who like coincidences that's pretty cool so we're going to be checking that out here uh, tomorrow night well our topic for the day today is uh, rather cryptic it's who is god um... it's a question that obviously we're not going to answer quickly or easily It's one of those questions that in philosophy are unanswerable, um, in many ways existential, and the whole point of asking the question is to create a contemplation or a pondering. Turning the concept over in your mind is generally regarded to be a rather healthy thing. Now again, some people get locked into religions and on some occasions even very fundamental or orthodox versions of religion in which case um, questioning is frowned upon and if you find yourself in that position or if you ever have been and many of us have because we inherited our religion in most cases at least as kids from our parents and so maybe you were locked into a religion. I certainly was raised as a little boy in the Roman Catholic Church. Questioning was frowned upon, It was not good that uh, you asked questions. Or if you did, you had to accept the answer, and any follow-up question would be (laughs) frowned upon. Seen as a challenge to the authority of the Church. You see, a church is not like a democratic government, which ideally gets its authority from the people. If a policeman arrests you, or a judge in black robes throws you into jail, by whose authority do they do that? Well, in a democratic society, the idea is it happens by the authority of the people. Well, as the old hot dog commercial says, Uh, Churches and temples, mosques and synagogues answer to a higher authority. Uh, Their authority is divinity, God. And yet the concept itself is so abstract, so remote, so subjective, so much a function of individual perception, that it's difficult to create a sense of authority And yet, what you have going for you is the idea that as a church or a temple, a synagogue, a mosque, whatever, uh, your, your authority is that you speak on behalf of the creator of all that exists and one who presumably could take that all away or condemn you in many religions to some eternal punishment some damnation, a lake of fire, or or whatever, or the you know, brimstone and the smell of, of sulfur and, and perpetual agony, which turns God into a tyrant, um, a very mean and nasty, uh, judgmental type of individual. You know, it's interesting that you have some religions that teach you not to judge. Even Christ said, judge not. And yet the religion is full of talk about Judgment Day. And that you're you're going to be judged by who? This God. I think for many people, God is simply a sense that there has to be some organization to this reality that we experience with our physical senses. And one of the exciting things about the times in which we live is that we're becoming somewhat sophisticated scientifically we understand the material world much better than even a hundred years ago much less a millennium ago Uh, yeah the Greeks postulated 2,000 years ago and more that the material world in spite of its appearance is solid was probably made up of tiny little particles that they called atoms. Um, the coincidence between Adam, A T O M, and Adam, as in the first man, A D A M, and also the word Amen, which we end prayers with, and the, um, the Pharaoh Amen Hotep is also part of this, Adam A T O M with a T, atom with a D. It's been said that in many ways these are all related. I'll leave that to you to discern for yourself or maybe research for yourself. But the most fundamental element in the material world, we believed, was the atom. In the last few decades, we've found out that the atom or molecule is really made up of even smaller particles, subatomic particles and this is an amazing world a world of quantum physics where we can see human consciousness playing a role in the way these material objects, these tiny little particles uh, relate to each other, they have funny names like quarks and mufons uh, they have electrical charges in some case, and in some case no charge at all. Uh, they have mass in most cases, but some of these quantum particles it suggested do not even have mass. In which case you say, well, it must not be a particle, it must be an energy phenomena, because all we have is mass and energy, right? We We live in a universe of energy and mass. Einstein's equation E equals MC squared says energy and mass are convertible. Well, in the quantum world, the subatomic level, we have situations where energy and mass tend to overlap each other. Light itself, visible light itself acts like mass or material. In some ways, there are photons, or what appear to be little packets of light. Once you get down to a really, really small level, just like there are certain life forms that straddle the fence between plant and animal, they're they're a little bit. Uh, they meet the definitions of being uh, in the vegetable kingdom, but they also, in many very fundamental and primary ways are members of the animal kingdom as well and you say how could that be and uh, yet there they are these half plant half animal critters again they tend to be very simple organisms very tiny so this is where I want to begin is with the idea that what we what Einstein called energy and mass and insisted was convertible two forms of the same thing that everything material is a reflection or an outpicturing a manifestation if you will or a function of energy and the mass can be converted to energy we learned that proved that with the atomic bomb you split the atom there's unbelievable amounts of energy bound up you have to use a very heavy and unstable element like uranium. But um, if, if if you can split that atom, if you can break that apart, bombard it, blow it up, it'll release enormous amounts of energy. And hence we have the, the atom bomb, the so-called hydrogen or nuclear weapon. Um, but, uh, devastating to consider the power, the energy that's bound up, in the material world in this way and so we can see matter becoming energy where energy becomes matter is in stars you ever wondered where this material world comes from Uh, these asteroids and comets and planets and interstellar gases well they're all manufactured all of the hundred and some elements of our periodic table are being manufactured inside stars Uh, in particular the common uh, simple elements like hydrogen with one electron and one proton, one neutron, helium with only two electrons, two protons and two neutrons making up that atom, that molecule Um, lots of hydrogen lots of helium being made in any star, our own sun included. The heavier elements, it's believed, are made in massive stars or more likely for the heaviest of elements when the star is supernova, when the balance between the gravitational attraction that the star has for itself, its desire to collapse, That is balanced by the tendency of the star to want to expand as a result of all the heat that it's generating. Well, as you probably know, when the star begins to run out of fuel and it's generating less heat, uh, that balance is lost, gravity wins, the star collapses, sometimes into what's called a brown dwarf, Um, sometimes expands into a red giant more often than not turns into this mysterious black hole and we now believe that the galaxies especially the spiralic galaxies all revolve around a black hole or maybe two sometimes there's binary black holes that spin madly around each other at the center of the galaxies and there are billions, um, we believe, 150 billion galaxies, give or take a few. And many of those galaxies will have 200 or 300 billion stars. It, it's just mind-boggling. And, uh, <laughs> if you get a concept of how many zeros you're talking about and the number of stars or the distance between the stars and between the galaxies it's inspiring it it's it's mind-blowing and uh and even fun one of the best reasons to become comfortable with arithmetic and mathematics is to begin to comprehend the size of the universe so we've gone from the micro the quantum the subatomic particle to galaxies and the universe and yet what I want to set up is a parallel between Einstein's E equals MC squared where he equates there's an equal sign between energy and mass and change the terms just a little bit to change the context of what we're talking about and change the terms from energy and mass to spirit and matter okay spirit being a synonym basically for energy and matter being a synonym for mass. So Einstein's energy equals mass times the speed of light squared, we're going to talk about as a polarity really of spirit and matter. Because if you're religious or spiritual or metaphysically oriented, What you're saying to yourself and anyone else you discuss this stuff with is I believe that in addition to the world of matter, the world of mass and separated form, I believe there are energy layers and levels that are largely invisible and unseen, much like the wind itself, which I I cannot see though I can witness its effects when it blows through the trees. Okay. Or I watch a, a flock of birds uh flying into the wind or with the wind or suddenly being surprised by a gust of wind. I can see the effects of the wind, of that energy, or waves in the ocean. Um, the water doesn't move that much. The water is basically moving up and down. That's not a, a wave of water moving forward. That's evidence that there's energy moving through the water. So the water may pump up and down. In fact, we have a new power plant here in Hawaii based on wave power. <laughs> it's pretty smart. Wonder they may wonder why it took them so long to figure out how to do that. So you got a vertical piston in this buoy that gently pumps up and down as the waves horizontally uh, go past the buoy. And uh, if you've ever gone fishing with a bobber, you've seen the same thing. The waves go by and the waves don't carry the bobber. The bobber just floats up and down, up and down as the waves go past it. And that's how power is generated. That's one new way they're generating power here in Hawaii with these buoys that I think each one of those buoys generates enough power for two or three houses, so it's not a whole it's not an enormous amount of power, but you get enough of those out in the ocean and talk about sustainable and green. It's pretty smart. I had a dream about twenty years ago about tidal uh power, and these people in my dream were showing me these they were like fish pens that would fill up with water when the tide was high and then when the tide went down they would open these pens in my dream and the water would flow out and because you know, because it was displaced it, it would flow out and turn turbines and generate electricity with tide so between waves and tides there's <laughs> an enormous amount of energy that we're just now learning to tap into Instead of burning burning oil, so spirit and matter is the model energy and mass is what the scientists from Einstein on generally use as their model. We can call that spirit and matter all right and the reason I want to use those terms is to introduce you to what's often known as the triangle of manifestation, I say often known. In esoteric philosophy, this is not a term you're going to run into in in, uh, your general life and affairs, but if you're interested in metaphysics and esoteric philosophy, you may run into this triangle of manifestation. And obviously I've given you but two of the elements of that triangle. What's the third? Well, again, look at the universe. We have physical senses that allow us to perceive the material world of form. We can touch it. We can sometimes hear it. We have the gift of being able to see light reflected off of it. Notice I didn't say we can see it. We really don't. We see light reflected off it. Turn off the light, you don't see. little reminder there. Uh, We can taste it in some cases. We can smell it. Uh, We have an experience of the material world, the physical world, of separated forms with our physical senses, with our five physical senses, each of which is a narrow sliver of the total spectrum available. Uh, Just reminding you that you know your your dogs and and cats can hear things that human beings cannot hear sometimes you'll see an animal reacting to a sound that you didn't hear well their the spectrum over which they hear is broader uh, dogs in particular can hear higher frequencies than human beings well that brings up the question of whose reality So the dog is having a reality, hearing a sound that a human being, standing right next to the dog at that time, says does not exist. It doesn't exist because I can't hear it. Well, you can see the foolishness in that. Just because I don't witness something or experience it, just because I don't know about something, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And so humans have this wonderful capacity to imagine and to wonder and to consider things that haven't happened yet and reflect on things that they don't know or understand. And the idea that there's more to this world than physical form, that there's an energy behind it. Okay. Metaphysics, meta means beyond or behind physics that perhaps and this is part of the ageless wisdom of all cultures and all times there is an energy component in all of this and not just physical energy that could be measured and observed but perhaps a metaphysical energy an etheric energy that exists not only behind physical dents, but is responsible somehow for the manifestation of physical dents. Whether that happened once over a six-day period, which is in the Judeo-Christian philosophy in Genesis, that this creator being, this God, created the world in six days, and on day seven round out the week, rested, okay, took a break. Well, then what happened the following day? Well, a metaphysician would say, well, the creation is still happening. The creation is ongoing. Look around you. It didn't end on day six or seven or eight. It's still happening. And many would then contend that if human beings are in the image of whatever it is that has created us, then that makes us co-creators. And maybe in ways besides just the manipulation of form with our hands, maybe with our consciousness, our awareness, our mentality and emotional nature, we are able to create form, to manifest circumstance, relationship and opportunity as well and so the middle element between spirit and matter in this a triangle of manifestation this triangle of causation the middle element is consciousness we have a world that is composed of energy and mass or spirit and matter But there's something else at work we are aware of it it's not just these physical objects that exist without any awareness sentience or understanding life is sentient those beings that are said to be alive defined not merely by their ability to reproduce themselves but in a much better way, defined by life, that is, defined by the fact that it is sentient. Now, there's no question about human beings being sentient to various degrees, obviously, aware, awake, alert, um, able to think, able to reflect, able to imagine, able to intuit But clearly we see animals being conscious and responding to their environment. We can interact with animals. We see that animals, like humans, have the gift of love. And animals are naturally very gentle and loving, which can be developed when a human domesticates an animal, which is basically taking away the animal's fear. Helping the animal to feel safe is to help the animal express its love. Same thing is true with humans. Now, then we go to the vegetable kingdom, the plant kingdom, and you say, well, I don't know. I'm not sure if um, this plant is sentient. Well, certainly it reacts and responds to its environment. Uh, You don't have to spend much time in the garden to witness flowers turning to face the sun. The flower faces east in the morning and and looks straight up at noon and the flower has managed to rotate itself and face west as the sun sets. It's tracking the sun across the sky. I remember somebody showing me a, a plant once that remember was it called a sensitive plant where you just touch with your fingertip or an object like a pencil gently touch the leaves of this plant and it shrinks, it pulls back it covers itself in what appears to be a defensive posture how can you deny that the plant is sentient maybe not in the same way as an animal, obviously not And also the animal is mobile, like the human can run around and and fly and swim and jump up and down. A plant tends to be rather rooted, right? Uh, I mean, there are air ferns. I suppose there are parasitic plants that live off other plants that are not really rooted in the earth. But generally a plant is rooted in the the earth. It's not very mobile. Um, And then you have the mineral kingdom. Is the mineral kingdom sentient? Uh, is it aware of itself? We can see an evolution here of of, of liberation and that the, the material kingdom, in this regard anyway, would be the least evolved and and the least liberated, the least free, and perhaps the least sentient. But who's to say the mineral kingdom is not aware of itself on some very basic and primitive level. Why not? Again, how do you define life? Well, again, mystics and metaphysicians have always defined God as the one life or the one thing from the most ancient times in Egypt and Tibet, the oldest literature we have, refers to the one thing or the one life. Well, that would suggest that there is nothing in existence that is not part of the one life. And so everything is alive. Everything is breathing in some way. An argument can be made for the mineral kingdom breathing. Would that not be the weather? Is that not, or perhaps the the astral nature, the emotional nature of the material kingdom could be the weather. And Clearly, mountains are being built as we speak. Another earthquake out here in uh, Maui, Hawaii, just yesterday. Not a big one, a small one. 3.8, but we felt a little rattle, a little shake, reminded us that we live on a volcano, out of which comes <laughs> new golf courses. <laughs> Even as we speak on the big island, all these islands were made by that one single Mid-Pacific volcanic vent. So you also have uplifting and mountain building activity. The western United States, those mountains are getting bigger and bigger all the time. While in the eastern United States, as an example, those mountains are getting smaller. Most of them already buried in their own debris, those beautiful smoky mountains, the Appalachian Mountains all green and covered with what? With what used to be rock, like the Rocky Mountains or the Grand Tetons, but became eroded over the millions and millions of years. Continents drift. This was just a theory when I was in college in the 60s. uh, It was always taught with these caveats that we don't really know if it's true or not. Is it a coincidence that South America fits so perfectly into Africa that <laughs> they look like pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. And uh, we now have uh, archaeological evidence of this. It's totally accepted that this single landmass hundreds and hundreds of millions of years ago began to break up and float, really. And so even today we can measure what's called plate tectonics the drifting of the continental plate it sits on the mantle of the earth and the various continents actually float around the earth is the mineral kingdom alive is it sentient okay a metaphysician would have to say yes because nothing could exist outside of the one life nothing can exist outside of god Again, our theme today, who is God? Your mind might say to you, what is God? Indeed, who is God? What is God? And what do we mean when we use a term like God? Or when we argue about which God is right? Um, Islam, Muslims tend to be very sensitive to the fact that their Quran tells them that God has a specific name, Allah, and that is the name of God. Uh, throughout history, magicians and mystics have often suggested that to know the name of God is a very powerful thing. There is mythology about guessing names. Remember the story of Rumpelstiltskin? If you knew a name, uh, you had power over that individual. It was believed. That's why many people uh, use nicknames. That's a reference to the devil, Nick. And um, this would not be Saint Nick. This is a different reference of Nick. Although Santa and Satan and Saint, that's all uh, very interesting uh use of letters and words we'll have to talk about that some other time maybe next christmas we will conflate santa with satan and saint and the red outfits and everything it's pretty amazing stuff so we're talking about a triangle of manifestation where we have a world of energy and mass or spirit and matter that is conscious there's your three elements spirit consciousness and matter That spirit moves through consciousness to manifest in a material form, and that's the formula of manifestation in metaphysics, esoteric philosophy, the perennial philosophy, the ageless wisdom, mysticism, it has lots of names. But it's a general consensus in philosophy and religious affairs that consciousness is everything that consciousness is a, a higher correspondence to our emotional nature, just as spirit would be a higher correspondence to our mental nature? So you can think of, I'll turn this around, the lower correspondence then of spirit, consciousness, and matter could be your mental, emotional, and physical nature. I've mentioned this before, but people are always surprised when I say it. it. It certainly bears repeating. There are so many hundreds of millions of Catholics that make the sign of the cross on a regular basis and have no idea what they're doing. But consider, Catholic or not, touching the forehead and saying in the name of the Father, I'm pointing to and touching my mental nature, right the frontal lobes of my brain as i touch my forehead i say in the name of the father that's spirit the catholic then touches his or her heart with that same right hand all right a hand of power and says in the name of the son consciousness the christos okay I touch my heart, my emotional nature. And then the shoulders, three, four, one, two, three, four, that's really the third element, the shoulders, the physical body, corresponding to action, intelligent activity, behavior, manifestation, moving out into the world of matter, a world of form. Spirit, Consciousness, Matter, Father, Son, Mother, or Holy Spirit, Will, Love, and Activity. To begin to look at the Trinity, this is really, if you're serious at all about metaphysics and mysticism, you have to start working with the Trinity, with the one, two, three of things. And we talk about it a lot. You'll get a lot of reinforcement if you come to these classes, whether you listen live or by podcast. We go back to the threeness of things uh, that, that the first approach to looking at unity and the totality is from the point of view of the Trinity. It's found in all cultures and all societies. So whether it's the lower correspondence of the divine trinity that we see in our mental, emotional, and physical natures. Or a higher correspondence we refer to as father, son, mother, father, son, Holy Spirit. You know, the church had to take the women out of the equation. So it's really father, son, mother. Catholics try that in catechism next week. (laughs) See how far that goes. Or will love and intelligence the mental emotional and physical aspect of the divine also can be understood as spirit consciousness and matter you live in a material world that is a manifestation of some energy or spirit but the third element is that world is conscious clearly the humans obviously the animals not so apparent but I think we can make the case for the plants and then why leave the mineral kingdom out of this all levels of existence in the material world have some degree I would argue of awareness of sentience of consciousness Okay. now these words consciousness and awareness are often used interchangeably I'm going to do another program in the near future on the minor variations between consciousness and awareness. Often awareness is capitalized. Sometimes consciousness is capitalized. Awareness is usually a reference to the source of consciousness, divinity at its highest level. Uh, That's usually called awareness. The Godhead, even behind the Father aspect, Many Christians don't think of anything as being higher than the Father. Many Christians don't think much about the Father at all because the Son has been equated to the Father. And yet, why would Christ teach his disciples to pray to the Father rather than pray to me if I am God? They haven't been able to reconcile that little half truth. But I think it comes out of a generally good intention to explain the trinity which is difficult if you're going to keep any part of it veiled and the church there's a a big component in the trinity that is veiled by the church and that's that your soul is already in heaven that consciousness the middle element between spirit and matter is also the soul between God and man the soul on its own plane the heaven that exists between the purest spirit and physical depths. Uh, This is the greatest heresy of all, uh, in Christianity in particular, the idea that your soul is already in heaven, it's never been anyplace else, there's no place the soul can exist except heaven, it was born there, Uh, it lives there now, You are an extension, a reflection, a projection, or a manifestation of that soul already in heaven. And this is hell. This is clearly hell, physical existence. It it can be a wonderful place because we're able to bring love here. But without love, this physical existence is hellish. And we all know that. We've all had broken hearts we've been cheated on and betrayed and lied to and you know how crushing it feels even if somebody just hurts you with words that maybe you know they don't really mean what they're saying but it hurts anyway and this becomes hell whenever it's devoid of love all right our job is not to get out of here and go to heaven. Our job is to bring heaven to earth. This is something that again many religious people forget in their haste for judgment day or salvation. It's like I got mine. I got my hotline, my shortcut, my my uh think of the game shoots and ladders, my my long ladder to heaven, Jacob's ladder. Right, I've got my pass. I'm I'm going to heaven. To hell with you guys. Well, the only prayer Christ ever taught, which again was not, you know, He did not say pray to me. He said pray to the Father in heaven. That Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. It's about bringing heaven to earth. It's about bringing love. To the physical dense plane and love is consciousness this middle element so when we talk about who is God zooming out, pulling back a little bit, our theme for the day today God has to be understood as the Trinity, but you have to go beyond simply Father, Son, and Mother or Father, Son, and Holy Spirit Father, Son, and Holy Ghost say it right, father, son, and mother. What does that mean? Well, it's will, love, and physical activity. God's intention, purpose, power, God has a plan, God's will is the father aspect. The The love aspect is the son, the Christos, the, the Buddha nature, if you were born on the other side of the world your soul already in heaven, consciousness, the awareness, the sentience between father and mother aspect, between spirit and matter. You can see mater, the material, spirit, consciousness, matter, you see mater, mater, madre, mother is right there in the Latin root. Don't be confused about this. So to understand that love You know, if you're a note-taker, you might want to write this down. Love, soul, consciousness are three words for the same thing. The heart of God is the Christ, the Christos, not Jesus the man. But when he was asked, are you the Christ? Are you the Redeemer? Are you the Savior? Do you represent the soul? Do you... Uh, do you represent perfect love? Christ said, "Yes. That's what I am. That's what I'm here to teach. But pray to the Father." All right. About your responsibility here in the world to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth here and now, and that means to be loving, to be kind, to be compassionate, to make conscious choices rather than react robotically. If we have evolved from matter through plant and animal, we earned our way, one could argue, to being as sentient or consciousness as, or conscious as, as we are. So use it. Wake up. Do your daily study, meditation, some form of contemplation or reflection, on a daily basis to wake yourself up from the hypnosis, from the from the foggy, hazy, automatic, <laughs> hypnotic, robotic state of mind that most humans find themselves in, doing everything by rote. The same way, at the same time, over and over again without conscious thought, not knowing why they do that. You probably know that joke, there's a great story about the woman who teaches her daughter to cut off the end of the pot roast before she puts it in the oven. And the daughter says, well, why do you cut off the end of the pot roast before and throw that away before you put the thing in the oven? And the mom says, well... I don't know, that's the way your grandmother did it. And so the young girl, next time she sees grandma, she says, hey grandma, mama's teaching me how to make the roast the other day and she cut the end off threw it away and then put it in the oven and I asked her why and she said, well, you told her to do it that way. And uh, we just wondered why. And grandma says, so it would fit in the pan. So how many things in our lives do we do routinely and robotically because somebody told us to or showed us to, and you've never really decided why? Your politics, your beliefs around important issues like war and peace, capital punishment, abortion, um, economics, education, education. When was the last time you checked those beliefs against who you are? Who you have been, who you are now, and the kind of person that you wish to become? Or do you even consider that there is a part of you that you're interested in growing, in expanding, in changing? Is there a part of you that you would like to change? to grow and if so what parts are you going to have to let go of to allow yourself to grow or like so many of our neighbors are we too busy defending who we are to find any growth forward at all and then you stopped the creation you're no longer I would argue A co-creator because you're not interested in growth you were as a little kid right you can't wait to grow up when you're a kid you even have half years right when you're a kid it's like how old are you I'm four and a half I'm almost five (laughs) I remember when I turned 10 asking my mother if I was a teenager she said no I said well I'm double digits she said that doesn't matter (laughs) I thought, you know, I went from 9 to 10, that ought to do. No, I was so anxious. And then, oh, I have to wait till I'm 13, because there is no 12 teen. So I wasn't a teen. I was in such a hurry to grow up. Then, of course, you reach that point where you don't think much about it. And then as you get older, you'd like to slow things down, of course. But when you had it, you missed it. And the question is, aside from the whole question of aging and existence as a physical being, do you want to grow yourself intellectually? Do you want to grow yourself emotionally? And would that not require, then, at a much more fundamental and basic level, growing your consciousness? So when we talk about who is God, what is God we have in all religions the various trinities we've talked about the Christian father, son, mother or father, son, holy spirit because they take mom out they don't want women in the church even now in the 21st century call it what it is father, divine father will, son that's the soul the consciousness aspect between spirit and matter that's the center of it all, that's where the mystery is Love as consciousness as the soul already in heaven now. Not inside your body someplace waiting to be liberated when you die. Soul exist- What about the pre-existence of the soul? Where was your soul before you were born? It's heresy to talk about that even today. It's officially heresy. Several of the founding fathers not of America, but of the Catholic Church in the 2nd and 3rd century. Men like Origen, for example, and Augustine were very clear on their belief of the pre-existence of the soul. And it was hundreds of years later that the church, in reverse engineering Christianity, said, we can't have this. If people think their souls are already in heaven, well, that's part of that whole pagan reincarnation stuff. And if they think they have multiple lives and, and and their souls are already in heaven, where's the incentive to come to church? Where's the club that we use to bully and intimidate people? Where's the fear? How do we scare people into giving us money and supporting the 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 opulence of the church and its gold and its tapestries and all of its elegance the beauty part I like but there's beauty in simplicity too and so for 2,000 years the church has struggled with the element that wants all of its prosperity to go into a manifestation of opulence and those who've said it'd be better to feed the poor, don't you think? If you're supposed to represent Christ, wouldn't you, like, be given that money to help sick people and hungry people? Wouldn't you let the the people of Africa, where millions are dying of AIDS, use condoms? Wouldn't you give them the condoms, rather than say it's a sin to use a condom? While millions of people die because of that teaching. I think there's something very wrong here. And what's very wrong is we're not as conscious of our consciousness as we could or should be. We're not as aware of our awareness. <laughs> right? We don't wake up often enough and say, I have choices, and I choose to be responsible And on a moment-to-moment basis, seek to substitute uh, even-tempered and and well-reasoned responses for my automatic knee-jerk reactions that I end up resenting, regretting, and always seem to get me in trouble. Right? That's what mindfulness is. That's what conscious awareness is. That's what it means to identify yourself as a soul. In form, but also above and free of form. Primarily above and free of form. And in your life, listen to this now, it's important. In your life, grow from the physical human who senses that you have a spiritual component. Grow, aspire toward that higher self, to be the soul that appropriates the ego or the persona nature. Instead of being the third element of the Trinity, uh, aspiring to be number two, you be number two, and then like a mountain climber, a leader, you reach down to help the poor incarnated human that is lacking in conscious awareness and does not therefore know itself as a reflection of anything divine, anything beautiful other implications in this problems that need to be addressed especially when you consider going beyond religion into a broader philosophy that you can really make your own, include uh, some of the problems that are generated by thinking of God as a physical form and again, we live most of us listening to this program are in the United States we do have listeners around the world from time to time so most of us either are or have been or are exposed to the Judeo-Christian belief that God is a man a superman um and maybe he looks like Jesus' dad I, I usually portrayed as being rather Moses-like with long hair and a long white beard it's a white fella of course with blue eyes and um He has a body. He had a physical body and lives in the sky, in a castle in the clouds. I think this idea alone is responsible for so many intelligent people saying, I just cannot accept religion. You've got, if you're going to take this stuff literally rather than as an allegory anyway, allegorically I can dig it, but. You're going to take this stuff literally. I got a real problem with this because we've got a Hubble telescope. We can see to the edges of the universe. Maybe it's time to update the model a little bit, to improve upon the model. And instead of saying merely God is everywhere and knows all things, and yet. Look, here's his picture on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel of all places, in a physical body reaching out from some apparently very far away place to touch man from its remote location. Well, what do you do to a population when you tell it that its spiritual source is very very far away, living outside of its creation. Right, and you say, well, the the church does teach prayer. That's fine. That's fine. And I see some churches even now tolerating classes in meditation and contemplation. I I, I see some uh Christian and even Catholic churches that have yoga classes and how yoga <laughs> how yoga got into the catholic church is fascinating it's been portrayed as an exercise program right the the idea that yoga is the stretching is what caused that to happen the stretching part of yoga the asanas uh and the breathing is a preparation or a meditative alignment, a receptive uh, union or communion that um, parallels the communion of uh, the Catholics and the, uh, the uh, transfiguration, the transmutation of the bread and the wine into the body and the blood of Christ. Uh, again, that's an allegory. That's, that, <laughs> that's been lost, the symbolism of what that means has been lost and Catholics are told you're supposed to take this literally when I put this wafer on your tongue or drop it in your hands this really is not blood and wine anymore it really 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 is the body and blood of Christ and the priest is a magician that made that happen in the name of the Christ no 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 it's consciousness It's the Christ Consciousness, the Buddha nature that's already in you, your own soul. That's the Christos. That's the Buddha nature. That conscious awareness, that understanding of things is available through love. Love equals consciousness equals the soul. It's through love, through peace, through relaxation through feeling safe that we open ourselves to awareness and then you can actually begin to understand there is a light that comes in that enlightens and illumines and allows you to see what's been there all along but you weren't able to see because there wasn't enough light in there. It was all dark inside your intuitive nature. And uh, so when we talk about what is God, we have to discuss these trinities and their various forms. Remember that they're symbolic and that the heart and the soul of the trinity, uh, which comes third but stands as number two, is the consciousness aspect the soul soul means heart it means the heart and soul of things is always the center or the middle from which you know all things are focused into that that point, and that's where the magic and the mystery and the wonder is always found in love as consciousness as your soul already in heaven above and free of form so God has a will who is God, what is God God has three parts a will uh, if you will, a mental nature uh, the word of God the divine plan a purpose Okay, that would be the divine mental nature or spirit, the father aspect God secondly has love God is love You find that in all religion, not always emphasized, not always practiced, but clearly God is love. God has a will, but God also has love. And love is, again, the soul. It is through the magnetic nature of love that the one is able to manifest the many. That spirit is able to manifest itself as separated, physical, dense forms. Without being diminished or affected, it's the magnetic nature of 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 love, this middle element, that allows spirit to become matter without diminishing. You know, if you if you have a a, a big water tank and you start pulling water out of the tank, every gallon of water you take out of the tank diminishes. Amount that remains. But if you consider radio or TV, no matter how many receivers are turned on, the signal is not diminished to the other people that are listening to the radio. Because the radio, unlike the water, is everywhere equally present. It's a magnetic field. And so you can turn on twice as many radios. And the signal is not diminished in any way. That's the way spirit works. The allegory we often hear is uh, the way a candle can light other candles without being diminished. And that light can be passed on. Well, that's well, ancient. It's a wonderful allegory, but in modern times we understand electromagnetism a little bit better. And to think of a spirit and matter The will and the intelligent activity, the physical dense, the spirit and the matter as being like the ends of the bar magnet, the polarities of the bar magnet. That means the soul, the Christos, the Buddha nature. The love, the consciousness between spirit and matter is that electromagnetic field. Love is magnetic. It, <laughs> right, you attract what you love, and that which is not love, which is devoid of love or dedicated to evil and ignorance, is repelled. This is the allegory of love as a shield, okay, that protects you, and yet attracts. It's same nature. This is how karma works in that same way the law of cause and effect, that you reap what you sow. It's the magnetic nature of love as consciousness, don't you see? So that's as much as I can do in a single class to introduce us to the idea of who is God, our our topic for the day today. God is a trinity. And whether you look at it uh, through Jewish mysticism and the Kabbalah, Uh, There's many trinities in the Tree of Life, primarily Kether, Kachma, and Banat. In Islam, it's the beloved, love, and the lover. In Buddhism, it's uh, Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. And in Christianity, again, the father, the son, and the mother, um, too often called Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, is the father aspect, or the Son are not Holy Spirit it's all Holy Spirit right got a lot of problems in Christianity with these terms Um, I saw a Catholic church the other day Christ the King well if Christ is the King then who's the Father you know Christ used to be the Prince and that goes back to the uh, most probably the, the oldest the most ancient uh, a model of God that we know of is the Egyptian model. And again, it's a trinity of king, prince, and queen. Right, Osiris, Horus, and Isis. The king, the prince, and the queen. The, the will of God, the consciousness or soul, the love aspect of God, and then the manifestation in physical terms. let's go to the questions and comments again if you're on the telephone and you have a question we'd love to hear from you um, simply press star 2 on the telephone touchpad of your phone don't imagine anybody's got a dial phone anymore star 2 will put a little flag on my console here and I'll see that uh, that you have a question or a comment by phone and if uh Instead, you're listening on the web, use the text box in the lower corner. If that has disappeared from your screen, uh, you'll see a a link in the upper left that says Ask a Question. Click on that. It'll bring the text box up. Uh, put your name and city in there along with your question or comment. and, and uh, We'll go there now, and then in a few minutes, we'll do a guided imagery or visualization. It's already, uh, let's see Real time here, 17 minutes uh, after the hour. So let me uh, first of all, I want to do a little maintenance here. All right, that looks good. Make sure we have people online, and uh, let's start with the uh, telephone calls, as we've got a lot of calls, and we have someone. I don't have a name, but in Sacramento, who has a question or comment, so let's go to Sacramento, and you're in the Mystery School with Michael Benner. Good afternoon. Oh. Aloha. Hello? Yes.
1: Hi, this, Michael. Can you hear me okay?
0: Just fine. Who is this?
1: This is Denise.
0: Hello, Denise. Thanks for calling.
1: Hey, I spoke with you a few months ago. I had called about, um, had some questions about the Dark Night of the Soul. I don't know if you remember. It was a while back. It was in the summertime, I think.
0: I do but, remember.
1: Uh, you do? Okay. Well, I just wanted to say hi, and I wanted to thank you. I listen to your podcast all the time. Sometimes it's hard for me to connect with you on Sunday because this is the time of the day where I'm doing a whole lot of stuff. Oh, I
0: understand.
1: The weather's so bad that I'm in the house today, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm cooking. It's it's nasty out here. But uh, I wanted to thank you, Um, the... Uh, the topic today is really good. I was raised a Catholic, and um, I can see why, you know, I, I did. I had a lot of low self-esteem because I was, you know, treated, you know, like, well, well I was brought up to raise, uh, believe that women weren't really that important. And that, you know, God was white, and Jesus had blue eyes and blonde hair, and I'm African American.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And so I was like, well... Why don't these people look like my people? Or you know, I mean, this this whole physical thing. You know, as I got older, I understood that there's no physical.
0: Let um, me ask you, Denise. Which was more emotionally hurtful to you—the uh, fact that uh, there did not seem to be any feminine aspect to divinity, or or the racial skin color thing? Which one wore on you or hurt you more?
1: I have to say, I, I really believe that it was the racial one. Yeah. Yeah, because it was like there was no one. When I looked at, you know, pictures and things, the angels were all white. Right. There were no black angels or brown angels or, you know, and and um, then in my in my culture, it was really because there's the whole light skin, dark skin thing. Right. You know, so it takes it to a whole nother level, and so it was really difficult for me.
0: Um, I think it was Muhammad Ali that first made me aware of, um, (laughs) I forget exactly how he said it, but it was like, ever wonder why angel food cake is white and devil's food cake is dark or black. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And
0: that whole connotation... You know, the bad cowboys always wore the black hat.
1: Black hat. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And the whole connotation of black equaling dark Mm -hmm. and shadowy and unknown and scary, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: right, like a dark alley, Right. that gets, unfortunately, conflated with melanin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, again, we're talking about having the consciousness to lift ourselves bootstrap ourselves out of ignorance and recognize these subconscious links are inappropriate and and we need to you know redeem or refine our language and our our models in this way. but uh, go ahead i'm
1: sorry I... that's okay but that's really good i remember finding out someone pointed out to me in the bible that they said that, you know, Jesus' skin was like a copper color and his hair was like dreadlocks and I yeah. thought, well that felt a little bit better. One He's person African. Yes. <laughs> there were no white people in that area at that no. time. And so, no. you know, but one of the things that was really nice too that I learned I was invited to a church here in, in Sacramento called Wolfe, the Church of the African Faith, and it talks about how um the belief that um, Egypt was once called Kemet, and it wasn't there. It was in North Africa, and a lot of the, the um, you know King Tut and and the people there. If you look at the um, the carvings and things, their faces—they have the wide noses and in the, in the big lips. Um, a lot of times, that's why you look at them, and the noses have been ruined or damaged or you know taken away from these these. Um, you know, these sculptures and things, because they didn't want to embrace the the African part of of what once was a a great civilization, you know. That's
0: interesting. it
1: It is. It's really interesting. I know
0: Napoleon's troops targeted the nose on the Sphinx.
1: Yes, and a lot of them, a lot of them a lot of those sculptures and things. And, you know, if you if you look up Kemet and you, you do a little research on it, it, you learn a lot about that. And it, it helps a lot, you know, um, knowing that, you know, right, being raised a Catholic it did a lot of damage. And I'm able to teach my kids and my grandkids, you know, what's really true. You know, I don't – I try not to steer them in any one direction, but I do expose them to as much as I can. About well, the difference. Yeah, it
0: is. You teach but, them to uh, trust their feelings, and you teach them to meditate or to just reflect sometimes on
1: mm-hmm. what
0: they think. I, and
1: I do. And I, my grandkids, my two little ones, they meditate with me when they come over. Even though it may be only five minutes, that's about as long as they can sit without giggling. <laughs> yeah, but, well, <laughs> that's,
0: that's, that's part of the effervescent nature of children.
1: Teenagers...
0: Mm-hmm. Teenagers are the same way. Yeah. But uh, do you have animals in your house?
1: No, unfortunately, my husband is has a hard time. He, he can't. He's allergic, so. I was just going to,
0: yeah, I was going to uh, sometimes uh, to bring the animals around, the cats or the dogs, they really like it when people meditate.
1: Oh, I bet. I and bet.
0: just for others who are listening who may have noticed this, uh, It's a great idea, I think, to meditate with your animals around you. It mellows them out. I think they feel better. They they connect better with us. I think they like who we are better when we're Mm -hmm. meditating. We're not so scary to them. And, again, it draws from them love. Um, We used to have uh, dogs, and and now we have cats. And all of our cats are rescue cats. They all came from the pound or um, one we just sort of adopted us. And then the third one, uh, we uh, was living in the forest here in Hawaii and we trapped her and brought her inside, took her to the vet, found out she had been chipped. Somebody owned her and abandoned her to the forest. But all of these, all three of these cats have lived on their own in the wild and yet, to watch how they learn to love, how they learn to trust, um, how, as a result of feeling, safer and safer. Plus, we're feeding them. They love that. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they love
1: that yeah. <laughs>
0: right. They don't have to hunt for cockroaches in the forest. Right. Uh, the loving nature comes out. And these I watch these cats at various stages, their ages, and different you know lengths of time that that we've cared for them uh and the degree to which they become more trusting and more loving, and I would say therefore, more conscious mm. that the evolution of the consciousness of these animals can be accelerated. And if I can prove it in an animal, then I can certainly feel good about our efforts to uplift each other and to encourage each other to feel safe and loving, to take a a more gentle path in resolving conflict and being quicker to forgive and and Mm -hmm. to go to compassion and mercy, to, to, uh, to celebrate the day when humanity realizes it's a single family.
1: Right.
0: You know, and and to embrace that simple truth. Um have you have you ever seen the uh the YouTube video I, I guess it's real popular. I've seen it a half a dozen times. Uh it's called Where is Matt? No. And it's this guy that dances all over the world.
1: Oh yeah, I did see that. Mhm.
0: And it's just Rapid cuts of all these different locations all around the world, and he's dancing this funny little jig that he does
1: right yeah in yeah. many of
0: them he's alone, but later as the as the film continues, there's places where he's joined by dozens scores of people come in and dance with him from all over the world
1: uh-huh,
0: and somebody sent it to me as a kind of a Christmas present, so I watched it again the other day and it, it tears me up to see how how obviously the people of the world are ready to embrace this concept that, mm-hmm. yes, we are different, and let's celebrate the differences in gender, in ethnicity, in language, in food. Yay, one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, let's love diversity and uniqueness and, and yet recognize that at the heart, we're bound. We're, in the best sense of the word, we're linked, right? We, we're we connected, simply so.
1: I like um, the analogy of uh, how the Native Americans say that when you go out into the desert and you see the sage, and you see the sage bushes, and they all look like these separate bushes, but if you look underground, they all have the same root system, and they're all yeah, one.
2: Yeah.
1: I really like that one.
0: I had a teacher that did that with his hand, and he would cover his hand with a book, allowing only his fingertips to go beyond the edge of the book. Mm-hmm. And he'd say, you see four fingers, you know, and then he'd take the book away, but one hand. Mm-hmm. And then if you pulled back again, one body. Uh, it's the space between us. It's to consider that the separated nature of physical existence, you and I are separated as physical beings, whether we we can sit side by side in the same room at the same time, and we're still separated beings, and everything around us is separated form, and we have to reach out to touch it. That's the source of all of our fear, and that's what evil is in the world. Uh, the, the most ancients, uh, 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 Socrates said this. There's an old Egyptian saying, uh, Hermes is credited with, with, with having said that all evil is fear. And I think if you understand fear as things unknown, it's born of the fact that here we are, spiritual beings, one thing, one life, one breath, one source... <laughs> and we get incarnated into these separated bodies and that's where the fear comes from, then our job is to bring love into the fear bring understanding into the ignorance, to bring light into the darkness and if some significant number, as some significant number of people realize this there's going to be this quantum leap, that's the so-called new age, the second coming that we're all <laughs> working toward.
1: Yeah, it's uh, exciting.
0: Yeah, to see that quantum leap that, that oh, I get, if we could just get the governments and the war machine out of the way, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, at some point then it will wither and, and, and die, but. Anyway, I in, I sort of interrupted you, train of thought. Oh, no,
1: I'm. <laughs> I want to give
0: you, and, and I'm running late today. I don't know how I did get so far behind, but I want to give you uh, time to finish your thought, Denise. Oh,
1: that was it. I was done. I just wanted to say thanks.
0: Well, thank you. And okay, uh, Merry Christmas and Solstice and New Year and Aloha.
1: Same for you. Bye bye.
0: Let's go to West LA and Roberts with us. Hi, you're in the Mystery School with Michael Benner. Hi, Robert.
2: Hey Michael, how are you doing today? Aloha. I'm uh,
0: doing very well, thank you. Aloha.
2: Hey, just quickly to dovetail off uh, one of your last statements. Um, much uh, we could, you talked a lot about Christianity and Christians and Catholics and whatnot, and um, there's often talk, you've heard talk of the Second Coming of the Christ, but the enlightened understanding, of course, which I'm sure you're aware of, is that Christ never left.
1: <laughs>
2: the uh, in the Jesus gnostic Bibles, Jesus the, did, but Christ didn't. <laughs> it, it's, it says the Christ is asked, uh, when will we, how will we know, Master, uh, of your second coming? What, what will, you know, what will announce it? He says, look, the kingdom of heaven is spread upon the earth. But men do not see it.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think to distinguish between the two. I mean, um, the terms Jesus and Christ. Um, I'm, I've always been concerned that too many people believe Christ is uh, a last name, like Smith or Jones.
2: I know. No, the Christos, the energy, the archetype, the 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 potential in the human family is the Christos. So that's and Jesus Christ, Jesus Yeshua ben Joseph yep. was simply acknowledged as perhaps at least in eastern Near Eastern Western terms, the first human being to act as an exemplar of that consciousness that is inherent in the human family, which by the way, was waiting and has been waiting for all that time for the, the the for the manifestation of what was known to be possible. This is why I sometimes think that Christ is also or Jesus is also referred to as the son of man.
0: Yes. That's right, right.
2: Exactly because it's been it's been humankind that has been waiting for, longing for, the redeeming fruit. You know, it, uh, the humanity as a whole always knew that somehow it could produce its own redemption and produce a being that was a manifestation of this potential that many uh, in the past, the sages, the masters, the adepts, knew was present, and as time goes on, more and more people become aware of. But uh, it's it's very interesting, and I just wanted to cite that about the second coming. Christ never left. The Christ energy has always been. It is. In fact, if you really want to, in my view, look at the truth, the kingdom of heaven that's spread upon the earth is humankind, and it just hasn't awakened to that reality yet.
0: It's a lot like the... Um... The science of the future is not here now and yet it is here now all of the potential of the computer existed in the 18th century uh, it existed uh, in the uh, prehistoric times as a potential and consciousness as love or love as consciousness in the same way, is here and now, everywhere equally present, but, again, you got to have the eyes to see. What is that about removing the scales from your eyes? Uh,
2: this the scales from the other, the shedding snake again.
0: Yeah, exactly. The snake plays Mr. Snake, as Joseph Campbell used to call him. old Mr. Snake, Brother Snake, in all of the creation myths. A very... Uh, a very important symbol, but uh, the idea to to raise our vision anyway from the physical—that the snake and the serpent, uh, the dragon, the dragon—that's a sine wave, of course. That's the represents the duality of of life in many ways, the cyclic nature of physical existence, going around and around.
2: The you know, the possibility for renewal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But then that third element, that middle element, the soul, that that magnetically pulls that round and round up, and now we have a spiral.
2: Well, that, this is something that, you know, it, it, many will look at things and they appear to go, as you've said, go around and around and around. And yes, they do. In the earth school, things appear to go around and around because we're given multiple opportunities to address these key points of evolution, right, right, as you're moving along, but but it is totally a spiral and, and and there have been those who have the mystics have pointed out that we're aware of of astronomy have said you know the solar system as an example, is not fixed. we have the solar system, we have the planets going around the sun, but remember that the solar system itself as a unit is through space.
1: <laughs>
2: and as it does, it produces a multi spiraled spiral. You know, this is, and it's passing through space and accessing the information. I mean, this is really gets windy and people have a real tough time with this one. But our solar system and the consciousness present accesses the energy and the potential and the wisdom in the empty space it's traveling through.
0: Yeah, I think you're getting to something here that I'd love to pursue. This idea of redemption on a real fundamental level of um, the expanding creation, the metaphysical need for darkness to be redeemed to light, for ignorance Uh, to be redeemed to understanding, and the consciousness element being the redeemer, the magician, uh, again, the the Christ or Buddha nature, that volunteers to incarnate out here on the cutting edge, uh, and, and the physical model being a nice parallel for everything expanding, and everything's moving away from everything else, and becoming more and why not the nature of god expanding and growing that seems to terrify religious people that god could learn and understand and then do that through us through our diverse experience in the world and that we get to be that liaison that that disciple on behalf of the one life
2: that's, that's,
0: it gives me in in Hawaii they call it chicken skin it gives me
2: goosebumps <laughs> well it, yeah it as it, it terrifies the uh the uh modellers of what we call organized religion it terrifies the uh priesthood or the clerics uh the truth-sayers in any quote religion that is structured in a way that puts them in a position of middleman and intermediary, right? Because if you are the God consciousness, moving through all the myriad of forms as a means of awakening the greater knowledge and awareness of itself, then you don't need the intermediary. Right,
0: right, right. They, the the church steals your soul in that it puts itself between God and man. That's where your soul is. The church, rather than us serving the church so the church can serve God, it should be the church serves the man, so the man serves his soul, so the soul serves God. And, um, again, that's a matter of consciousness, that uh, of all the jobs we delegate, uh, our spiritual evolution is not one we should be handing over to some agency. Anyway, give me a parting shot, Robert.
2: Well, in... in and as dovetailing off that, yes, and that's what the so called New Age spiritual movement uh is is probably rooted in is coming to the realization that uh that's not something you give away. Right. You take you were it's, it's we're taking this back now uh from those that should not have been entrusted. <laughs> right, right. right, right. Aloha Mike.
0: Thank you. Aloha. And, Thank you. Uh, Merry Christmas likewise and I'll call your attention also to the fact that two years ago in Christmas of 2008 I did a program on Esoteric Christmas that's in the archive if you want to visit that it's um, well it's on my website at uh, theagelesswisdom.com the w's dot theagelesswisdom.com Click on the home page to go inside, and then web teleconferences, and you can scroll down uh, from there and see all the past programs. Let's say hi to the folks that have checked in with the uh, text messages. Very nice to see uh, Terry and Mike McHale from San Pedro, and they say Merry Christmas to you and Doreen, and nice to hear from you too. Wonderful to hear from you, actually. hope you're doing very well. Merry Christmas. Patricia Vega in L.A., Aloha, Michael and Doreen. She says, My belief is that God is the consciousness from which all things manifest. The one thing. I don't believe that it's a male or a female. Now, that's the term that the uh, Egyptians used, the one life or the one thing. You know, the one that. the one the the totality Uh, out of Canova Park, California Phil Jaffe says greetings to you and Doreen and Steve and um, he goes on to talk a little about his don't fly uh, but Phil's into boycotting the TSA which is nice if you can, I live on an island I I may not be able to join your TSA boycott from the middle of the Pacific but uh, as long as you're active at something, be an activist that's good Albuquerque, Donna, hi Donna she says, what a wonderful Christmas class so appreciative of your classes and your willingness of giving love to those that listen best wishes to you and dream for the new year Thanks thanks Donna, thank you very much appreciate that my willingness to give love to those who listen. Well, it's a joy. You know? It's a great thing. You know, the, the only love there is is the love you give away. So, a million ways to say that. Judy in Arcadia. Hello, Judy. She says, "Interesting class. I love the idea of bringing heaven to earth. Thanks for that. And enjoy your holiday. Lots of love. And see you at tomorrow. Your treat. Yeah, Judy's going to be here for sure." And, gosh, I hope you can make it, too. Uh, You know, I've given you my website. Focused Passion is our sister website. And at either of those sites, there's a big button that says Maui Retreat. And uh, if you click on that, you'll go to the page that will show you a picture of where we're going to be. 70 privately owned acres near Hana, Maui which is famous, the highway to Hana, world famous for all of the waterfalls and the, the beautiful scenery that that you experience as you move through this rainforest heading toward Hana on the northeastern shore. This is in February of next year. It's a mindfulness retreat. It's It's not a yoga retreat where you just come and hang out. There's some great yoga retreats. I don't mean to Demean yoga retreats. This is in many ways a yoga retreat also. Yoga meaning one or union with the one. Um, No, not to disparage that. I'm just saying that this is going to be an intensive training, a five-day intensive. And because it's about mindfulness, certainly you'll have alone time and free time and time to socialize as well, because we're going to basically camp together and have this walled in experience. And we've got, you know, solar-powered, and even as a backup gas generator, so there's hot showers out there, and, uh, you know, running water, and flush toilets, and you'll be comfortable. Everybody's going to get an air mattress, in fact. You can sleep indoors, or under the deck, and the covered deck, or out on the lawn if it's a, a nice night. You'll hear the sounds of the whales, it's peak whale season when the... Mother whales show the babies how to swim and they go around and around the island, especially at night. You'll hear the sounds of the whales, rainbows, waterfalls, exotic flowers. But most importantly, uh, a, a, a week when you can relax, probe the depths of tranquility and peace of mind to find an expanded level of awareness in the moment, that you can study, reflect upon, incorporate into your life, and take with you back to the mainland. And all of this for less than it would cost you to have a resort holiday uh, here in Hawaii for a week. So check it out at the uh, agelesswisdom.com or focusedpassion.com. Click on the colorful button that says Maui Retreat. And join us. It's going to be a small group, not more than 20, 25 people at most. I would say less than 20. And uh, intimate group, incredible meals. Just talking to the chef yesterday. And uh, uh, again, just a life-changing experience, not only in identity, but the idea of the the joyful awareness the peace of mind that can be available to you on demand, even in the midst of a traffic jam, once you experience real mindfulness. And do it in paradise, in the most peaceful place you can imagine. You'll have it for the rest of your life, as we like to say, upon the intended. Uh, let's see. I uh, misplaced all of my... Uh, questions here i had uh oh i guess that did it uh uh, no no i have others Wait, wait 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 uh donna judy comes back let's see oh virginia in los angeles fascinating program michael thank you as a recovering catholic i appreciate the information confess i'll have to listen to it again at least a couple more times To fully digest it. Yeah, no question. Might even want to take notes. Just work with the three, okay? And we'll talk more about it, but just get the threeness of things. The relationship of the one to the three as almost opposites like spirit and matter. And the way that middle element, the number two in any trinity, tends to, like a magnetic field, unify the opposites into wholeness. It's, it's it's the second element of that the, the consciousness and spirit consciousness in matter the love in will, love and intelligence you see, it's it's that middle aspect that's that's where all the magic is, magic's in the middle secrets in the center as we used to say also Greg in Los Angeles uh, do you think it's sufficient to see the idea of God as just divine energy a force beyond the scope of of what modern-day religion um, summarizes or surmises it to be. Does it fall into the idea of religion, or is it a religion unto itself? Well, anything, I guess, that you fix upon and decide this is the truth, and this is pretty much as far as I'm going. I've reached the, you know, the, the destination, the cul-de-sac, and now I'm going to build an edifice and sit here and worship and um, proselytize and create members and joining. Um, my nature of, or my sense of the nature of religion is what makes it a religion, a certain belief system, is that it tends to become crystallized or some would say concretized, uh, fixed. Uh, no longer flexible or plastic. And spirituality sought by so many people who say, religion just isn't really quite doing it for me. They want something a little more dynamic, something with breath in it, something that is flexible and malleable and can be shaped and formed and, and flow. You know, so much of the Tao or the Dharma, again, the middle way is about flow, like water, right? Even, oh, here's this big rock. You just, like the the Tao, you just flow around the rock and merge on the other side, resisting nothing. So um, religion doesn't really, in, in most cases, allow for that. And so, yeah, any belief system that becomes rigid uh, it, it could be called a religion. And again, the... From my point of view the main thing to be aware of is that rigidity that's I think those of us who honor our spiritual nature but just say as much as I've learned from religion I just can't stay with that That one religion do I have to choose one (laughs) can't can't I have them all let's do a a little uh, alpha process you got a few minutes And uh, then we'll uh, convene the class. If you get comfortable, if this is a good time for you. Podcast listeners, Lord knows what you may be doing right now. But if you can, put it all down and get comfortable. I'd like you to think of yourself as sitting straight and erect, but not rigid. Rather balanced, nicely balanced. Shoulders back, open up your rib cage, and just watch your breath for a moment. Watch yourself breathe. And when you feel ready, take a nice, slow, deep, deliberate breath, holding as you peek. And as you exhale, feel the letting go. Exhale beyond where you'd normally stop, and then maybe take a second or a third slow deep breath in this way and then allow your breathing to return to its natural rhythm as you think of yourself sitting beside a pond a little lake in a beautiful and peaceful place in nature And I'd like you to imagine, as you look out over the water, that you feel a harmony, a sympathy with the ripples, the little wind waves that are on the top of this small lake or pond, that they seem to correspond to the energy that you feel in your body sometimes. And as you watch the surface of the lake and the wind waves, notice that little by little the wind is diminishing and so too the size of the waves. The swells become smaller, the little white caps disappear. Soon, you see barely ripples on the surface of the pond. And you feel the same tranquility in your body as you sit upon the shores of this little lake, this pond. As the surface of the pond becomes as smooth as glass and you feel the peace you feel the tranquility within your body as if all disturbance all conflict and all adversity has fallen away and yet there is a life there is a pulse there is a vitality there is your gentle in-breath and out-breath which you honor and experience now in a safe and balanced fashion feeling centered exactly where you're supposed to be exactly when you're supposed to be here, safe and relaxed. A unique expression of the one life. A feeling you can bring with you back into the room. Simply by forming the intention to do so with a peaceful mind and a gentle countenance. You bring this safety, this peace with you, this love, this level of awareness. As you take another nice, slow, deep breath, and as you exhale, open your eyes, wide awake, alert, rested, refreshed, back in the room, feeling even better than before, carrying with you that balanced peace, that wonderful sense that I hope carries you into a wonderful week that you fall into the Christmas spirit, which is the spirit of giving and love, of kindness and, and thoughtfulness, of being with family and friends that you care about, taking some special time, some quality time to be together, and do some wonderful things with each other and for each other. Again, as we said earlier today in commentary, the only love you could possibly have is, the love you give away, so give it all away, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Solstice, remember the lunar eclipse, those of you who are listening live, it's tomorrow night, podcast people, I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, let's look forward to a brand new year, 2011, onward and upward, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other, this is Michael Benner, Aloha, from Loving.